a fight broke out in church one day. Almost a fist fight. It wasn't over the color of the carpet or the hymn selection of the day. It wasn't over any of those important issues. It was rather over someone being called a hypocrite. What would be really surprising to you are the persons who were involved in this fight. People we call Saints Peter and Paul. And it was Paul who was calling Peter a hypocrite. You might think that this would be a matter that you would take to the back room, you know, not out in front of everybody. Let's take this off into a private room and and settle this, um, you know, like gentlemen do, quietly behind closed doors. But that's not the way Paul wanted it. He felt like public hypocrisy could only be dealt with in a public way. And so he calls Peter out in, in the sight of everybody. Cephas, you, you saw in the name, his name in the, uh, the Galatian letter, Cephas is the Aramaic name for Peter. And so it is that uh, Paul records for us in the second chapter of Galatians a public fight that he has with St. Peter in the church at Antioch. Here's what's happened. At separate times and in separate places, both Paul and Peter received the revelation from God. And here's how it went. The revelation was that Gentiles, that is, people who were not born into the Jewish family, that they were to be welcomed into the church on the basis of faith. The very best part of the good news, that God was going to reconcile through the cross of Jesus Christ every person. He wanted to reconcile all people of the world to himself through the cross. And so the the doors of the church are flung wide open. You no longer had to be simply part of the the Jewish ethnic family to be part of the family of God. Now, all people, whosoever would, could come to faith in Jesus Christ. And so, both Paul and Peter began to go out and and do mission to Gentile communities. Both of them brought many people, and the church grew like mad. It It just exploded, and the church was growing everywhere. But somehow... Somewhere along the way, Peter lost sight of the very basic image that God had given him. He began to listen to people who were saying, No, it's okay if if Gentiles rather become to the church. They can come to faith in Jesus, but they effectively have to become Jews. They have to learn to keep a kosher table. They have to learn to follow the Jewish calendar. Men have to be circumcised. This is the way of being a Jew. This is the way that that God has always prescribed for people to be in relationship with Him. Look, Peter, it's right here in the Bible. So Peter begins to lose sight of what was going on. And one day, while Paul is out of town, Peter gets carried away with this argument, and he decides, you know what? I'm no longer going to be in fellowship with any Gentile that will not follow this trifecta keeping kosher, following the calendar, being circumcised. If they're not going to willing to go in for that, we will have no fellowship with them. I won't eat with them. And presumably, that means I won't even go to the Lord's table with them. No worship among Jews and Gentiles unless those Gentiles agreed to go in for the whole of Jewish law. And this was what made Paul so angry so incensed that he comes back and he sees Peter doing this and calls him a hypocrite and begins to, uh, to get into a, a, an argument with him in front of the whole church. It made me think about how very few things ever cause more problems 
in the church than fighting. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's not comfortable in a family, is it? I mean, if you have a couple of children and they <clears throat> get into spats, as some do, mine, of course, never, but uh, I hear other people's do, um, they, yeah, right, uh, it, it, it's disturbing, isn't it? <clears throat> in the church, it's, it's just the same. And we've all seen it locally. I mean, not now, not in this church, but maybe I heard that from time to time there were disagreements. Uh, we've seen it happen nationally in national churches. We've seen it happen internationally in the church. <clears throat> and so you have all of this division going on. And it begs the question, how can you tell the world about the love of God if you can't get along with people with whom you go to church? I mean, the answer is, of course, you can't, right? I mean, infighting, it, it, it's not only disturbing, it's derailing. It, it, it takes the church completely out of the, the option of doing mission. And all of it goes into to keeping peace. And that begs the question, why in the world would Paul pick a fight with Peter in front of everyone? Why would he call him a hypocrite in front of everyone when he knows how much damage? Take your bulletin, will you, and look with me. I, w- I want you to see this. The epistle lesson there in Galatians. The very first verse, verse 11 of chapter 2. When Cephas came to Antioch, that's when Peter, Peter came to Antioch, Look what Paul says, verse 11. I opposed him to his face. I opposed him. I got right in his face because he stood condemned. Let's slide down then to verse 14. Look what he says. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter, before them all. You see this, right? I opposed him to his face in front of everyone. I opposed him to the face in front of all of them because I saw they stood condemned. Now here's this thing. I want you to try to imagine this. Paul has been going on a mission trip. He's been going for a few weeks. Okay? He's maybe even a, maybe in a few months. He's been going a long time. And, and he gets back to Antioch and he goes to maybe a house of a Gentile where there's a, a Christian meeting that gathers there, a church gathers in a home, and he notices that none of the former Jewish Christians are coming. And maybe he says... Hey, you know, what happened to so-and-so? Oh, yeah, you haven't heard. They won't come here any longer. They won't worship in this church any longer. They're, they're across town. They're over at somebody else's house. Paul says, tell me more, and finds out the whole story, what's going on. And it makes him furious. And so I think what happens is Paul goes over to the Jewish church. After all, being a Jew, he can just show up. And he goes in, and he, he worships with them. And at the announcement time, <laughs> at the announcement time, he stands up and says, guess what? Uh, we're all going over for ham sandwiches over at Sean's house. And, uh, and Peter, you remember how we love to eat ham sandwiches over at Sean's? You know that? Remember when his mother made us that shrimp cocktail and you said it was the best that you had ever had in the whole wide world? And, and, and Peter starts to shrink. And you hear the gasp go around the room. And Paul says, what's wrong, Peter? Why don't you want to go? Not, you know, knowing exactly why he doesn't want to go. And then he says to him, Peter, you hypocrite. You don't keep kosher. You haven't kept kosher for years. And now all of a sudden, here you are. Oh, Mr. High and Mighty Pious One. You won't go over and eat with these people who have never had to keep kosher in their whole life? You won't hang out with them because you don't think they're a good enough form of Christians? This is really what it's all about? 
See, nothing hurts the church like a public fight except for maybe one thing. Blatant hypocrisy. And Paul says when that blatant hypocrisy goes to the core of the gospel and it actually damages the message of the gospel, maybe then it's time to take a stand and say, look, this and no more. He doesn't go out, notice, in the public sphere. Paul doesn't have this fight out in public. He doesn't call the newspaper. He doesn't go out and say, you know, hey, everybody, guess what's happening over here? He has it inside the church. Because he knows that what is at stake is the truth of the gospel itself. But that begs just one more question. What is the truth of the gospel? What is the very source of the gospel for which Paul was willing to fight? And it's found in Galatians 2.16. I, 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 yeah, I want you to get you back into that bulletin for one more second with me. And look at Galatians 2.16. Perhaps no more seminal verse in all the New Testament. It's one of a half a dozen verses in the entire Bible that's worthy of your memorization. That you bind it around your heart and hold it there tight. That this is really a very important verse, two sixteen. Yet we know, Paul says, that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law no one will be justified. It would take me a month of Sundays. Indeed, it would take me a year of Sundays to get through this text, okay? There's a lot here. I have read entire dissertations written on Galatians 2.16. Jimmy Dunn, a scholar in, 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 uh, in uh, Scotland, has given his whole life to, to basically this verse. Of, it, it is, you know, that sort of verse. But I want you to see something that is very simple, and that is that Paul has laid down a contrast. It's not this, but this. You see me? You see what I'm saying? We know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. It's not this, but this. Right? The, the, the issue is justification. A person is not justified through this way, but through this way. And you don't even at this point have to know what he means by justification. Just see the contrast. Do you see it with me? You follow. <laughs> not by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus. Paul is saying a person is not justified, whatever that means, by keeping kosher, by following the calendar, by being circumcised. That is not how a person is justified. That's what he means by works of the law. But through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, secondly, the word justification is a legal forensic term. It means to, um, to be made right, to be declared right. Here's what Paul is saying. A person is not declared to be part of the family of God. I think that's a shorthand for what he means by justified. That, justified is a shorthand for that phrase. A person is not declared to be part of the family of God because they keep kosher, follow the calendar, and do these ceremonial works of the law. But they are brought into the family of God how? Through faith in Jesus Christ. Now here's just one little problem with that translation. Actually, what Paul says is a person is not justified by the works of the law, but through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. A person is not brought into the church because even of their own faith. Here's how a person comes into the community of God. Because of the cross of Christ. And that alone. Yes, of course they have to have faith. Of course. How else could they appropriate that? But it's through the cross of Christ that someone comes into the family of God. And through that alone. 
It's the faithfulness of Christ that makes us part of the community. It's the faithfulness of Christ that gives us the ability to believe, to trust, and to live in Him. And there is no other way. If there was another way, then Christ did not have to die upon the cross. That's what he says, the very last verse, right? In, in, in uh, 2, what is it, um, uh, 20, right? Uh, no, excuse me, 21. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if the righteousness were through the wall, if justification could come any other way, then Christ died for no reason. This is pretty heady stuff. I told you it was going to be. Weeks ago, when we started in Galatians, I told you, this is heady stuff. It's going to be digging down deep. Uh, and so, in a way, I'm just kind of, I'm not apologizing, but I'm going back and telling you, I told you so, right? But there is, again, something very simple here. It's first of all this. It reminds us that there's only one way that a person can come to Christ. There's only one way that a person can be reconciled to God. It's through the cross. It's very simple. If someone says to you, how could I ever have peace with God? It's a real easy answer. The cross of Jesus Christ. You can't do anything. There's nothing that you can do to earn God's favor, to earn God's um, merit, to earn God's grace. It comes one way. Through what Jesus did for you. That's very simple, right? And then the second part's also simple, but it's much more difficult to live out. It's a reminder that those whom God has made part of the family, they are part of your family. I remember this uh, African-American um, preacher one time went to this uh, uh, group. It was a gathering of men. And, um, and they were mostly white men. <laughs> and he stood up and he opened up his sermon like this. He said, if God is your father, then I am your brother. That's right. That's absolutely right. If God is our Father, then our sisters and brothers are all those persons whom God has brought into His family. Now, we don't do the table fellowship thing the way they did in the first century. You might be the most ardent Republican. But if a Democratic president invited you to dinner, you'd go. Oh, I know. You say, no, I wouldn't. You would. Um, you'd be there. Yes, you would. <laughs> no, I'm not. Okay, it, maybe, maybe, okay. If your Hindu Indian neighbor called you up and said, come over for curry, you'd go. If you wouldn't, call me. I'd go. <laughs> Big curry fan. Right? But in the ancient world, it wasn't that way. You did not go and sit down at a table with someone you did not accept as being on the same level. That's the whole part of the problem here with Peter. He doesn't accept these Gentile Christians as being worthy to come and eat at the same table. If God invites us into his family, he invites us to be brothers and sisters. To be equal. There are no first and second class Christians. I love when I get on a plane and I'm flying in the coach and the, and the lady comes back and um, she looks through the, the door of the, uh, the first class and looks at all of us and, you know, with that look like, if only you had worked harder. You know, and then uh, <laughs> shuts the curtain. Yeah. There are no first and second class Christians in the world. We are all one in Jesus Christ. He has made us family. Maybe you know the story of um, young Phoebe Prince, 15-year-old girl in Massachusetts that three years ago committed suicide. Uh, Phoebe was born in the UK, moved to Ireland with her family, and then later to Massachusetts. And when she arrived in Massachusetts as a high school student, 
she, um, you know, she just did what high school students did, you know, tried to get involved, get to know people. And, um, and she was ostracized by a number of the girls there, mostly for trivial things, but for one thing in particular, that the boys on the football team liked her. That was her big crime, that she was a cute young lady who happened to be liked by the boys on the football team. And they picked on her mercilessly. And then one day, uh, she was walking home from school and some girl threw a can of soda from a car at her. And Phoebe went home and hanged herself that day. You know, the good news of Jesus Christ is not just that God has reconciled us to himself through the cross of Christ. It's not just that. It's also that he has reconciled us to one another. That we are a family together. That all of us are joined together through Christ. And that our life is hid in God with Him. That's the whole story of the Gospel. And Paul says, that's worth fighting for. Don't ever forget it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.